0: Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy
1: of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm Jiro Taylor, and today I'm talking with Derek Ludemilk a man of many talents. He's a former, well, or a current microbiologist, a former pro cyclist, a world traveler, business coach, photographer, and host of the awesome podcast, The Art of Adventure. So you, Derek, you sound like you know how to live. Oh, man, uh, that makes me sound pretty good. I I,
0: I do my best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so interested by the the microbiology. I was reading a book uh, Mastery by Robert Greene. And, and I just read the chapter about, about Charles Darwin and about how his adventures like overseas, how it made him as a man and how he's discovering all these new species. And, 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 I, and I believe that you have a discovery under your belt also.
0: Yeah, actually, Charles Darwin is a huge hero of mine. And uh, we both have this similar sort of intelligence where we observe the natural world and we try to Discover some truth about it just by observation. and um, so so because of that, I always wanted to discover something, a new species. and with that in mind, I went to Yellowstone National Park and studied the viruses of the hot springs uh, in the boiling acid hot springs there for a few years and uh, discovered a new species in two thousand and twelve.
1: No way. How many people can say that?
0: <laughs> there yeah, there should be some some registry, some club that we get to uh, participate <laughs>
1: in. Did, did you get to ne- did you get the naming rights?
0: Well, unfortunately there's the there's this convention so it's called MYSV Metallosphera Yellowstoneensis spherical virus. Uh very sciency name. Uh I did name the hot spring that it was found in after myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Okay, one day I'm going to go there. It's one of my life goals now. I'm going to check out this hot spring. So, right. so how was living in, in, in that national park? I mean, it's a, one of the most awesome places on earth, right? Yeah, well, so I was, I was
0: at the university of, uh, at Montana State University, which is an hour and a half north of the park. But that's where all of the research and science is based and then we, we take trips down into the park uh, to collect our samples and survey the hot springs and stuff like that, um, and which is, which is kind of cool sometimes because sometimes you're going in the summer when all the tourists are there. But sometimes you're going in the winter when there's no one there, and we have the, the backcountry researchers permit, so we can go anywhere in the park. So we would get on our snow machines, and it would be minus 20 degrees and we would just, you know, snowmobile through this beautiful nat- national park when there's no one around. Um and actually the the day that I discovered or took the sample that led to the discovery, we we were coming around a bend in the road and found ourselves smack dab in the middle of a herd of bison. They were they were using the road as a highway and so and we just like snowmobile around and we were right into them and we couldn't uh we couldn't really turn around because they came around behind us and then there was a whole herd of like hundreds of these you know one ton animals in front of us and we just had to slowly um sort of like pick our way through these herd of animals hoping they wouldn't gore us to death (laughs) um and well i'm still here talking to you so they didn't um but that, that was exactly the sort of thing that I was hoping for uh, when I decided to study in Yellowstone. <laughs>
1: that's awesome, man. So that's probably really informed your view of adventure and, and how to live life, I imagine. Did you, did you find that when you were growing up as a kid, you were the sort of kid that was looking for adventures, looking for new discoveries?
0: Yeah, I, I was, uh, I still am, an only child and that that meant that I had a, a lot of time to myself to use my imagination, and I was always going on adventures. I would, um, you know, go go on an adventure like through the neighborhood and, and climb all the fences and like try to discover things uh, by myself as a kid. And yeah, just just growing up with a family that spent a lot of time in the woods, and it it was just there was just a natural natural thing to me to explore the outdoors.
1: That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about where you're at right now. I know physically you're actually in Bali. You're living in Bali right now. You are basically living the life of a digital nomad. I know that you've got a lot of traveling under your belt um, over the past few months. Tell us a little bit how you went from microbiologist pulling samples from national parks to where you are yeah. right now? Yeah. Um, so when I
0: finished my time in grad school, um, I I read the the Four Hour Work Week many years before, and I had always wanted to test out whether I could do that. So I started my first coaching business, which was coaching racing cyclists. And um, you know, I said I just need a, a minimum amount of income to travel in. Asia, Southeast Asia, and I've been traveling in Southeast Asia for the last two years about Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, and now in Bali. And yeah, I I, I just sort of have this feeling of wanting to experience all the cultures of the world, you know, partly curiosity about people, partly because I know that it, it helps me be more understanding and empathetic. Of a person, and partly just uh, <laughs> selfish, wanting to see cool things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's nothing wrong with that, man. So, cyclists, right? How does that? How does that fit into the whole equation?
0: You know, that was um, that was. I've always loved watching the Tour de France ever since I was a kid, and I had a best friend. We started racing together when we were, I don't know, thirteen. And, uh, took a, took a, some time off of cycling to be a collegiate runner. But when I graduated cycling, uh, co- college, I, I said, I'm going to go all in with cycling and, and spend a few years to, to see how good I can get and, um, spend some time living in Spain and racing all around the States and, uh, got to race against Lance Armstrong and, a lot of uh, other of the top riders of the day and it was a blast it was it was so much fun the um the reason that i'm not doing it is um you know partly partly one of just of just rationalization you know you can't be a professional cyclist forever your body will get older at some point and so i said well what if i end up being a 40 year old retired cyclist with no skills and that's when I decided to go back to grad school.
1: Okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you went back to grad school after making a rational choice that you weren't going to be a pro cyclist, but now you're a vagabond and you're traveling around the world and you're, and you're running an awesome podcast and you're being everything but a microbiologist right now. Uh, how has that worked out?
0: Yeah, it's good. I, um, you know, I just went to the podcast movement conference for podcasters down in uh, where was that Fort Worth, Texas, and I've been I've been running this podcast for a year, The Art of Adventure, and that conference just confirmed to me that that this, this format of of teaching through broadcasting, whether it's video or podcasts, sort of journalism, uh, is is really what I love doing. I love learning from other people. I love having the guests on my show to interview them, and I love being able to teach. You know, each episode is a is a is its own special topic that someone is really going to benefit from. And it, it's just great, you know, when someone says like, oh, hey, I listened to your show and um, really helped me or I made a few thousand dollars because I implemented this thing that you talked about. And that's, su- that's super cool that I can deliver the right information at the right time to someone that maybe I haven't even met.
1: It's it's an amazing it's an amazing way uh, to live for sure man. And how long have you been living this life or how long have you been running this podcast that you run which is called The Art of Adventure?
0: Yeah, I'm coming up um we're like 2 days away from the 1 year anniversary and almost have 100 episodes and I'm finally, <laughs> I'm finally feeling like I'm starting to get the hang of it, uh, which is funny yeah. because you know the first twenty five episodes I look back on and I think, wow, uh, those are not as good, <laughs> and <laughs> but
1: so it's a good feeling to actually improve a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. So basically, a hundred conversations with people where you dive deep into adventure and performance and entrepreneur strategies and learning. It's just. It's just so awesome the way that you have set up this life where you have interesting conversations with people that that seems to be the main takeaway that i that I seem to get from your life right now
0: yeah and and um maybe the scientist part of me has evolved to be interested in social science and people and maybe it's because yeah. I see that people are attached to all the cool things that you want out of life they can get you a cool job they can you know come on your podcast and talk they can invite you to join a group whatever it is people and social situations are are just fascinating because we're such a social species and i've i've just been observing people for the last i don't know for the last few years and sort of applying my scientific knowledge of uh of learning to to people and um
1: and I suppose you're seeing trends, because that's, that's just what happens, right? So what do, you, what do you see as the common factors in the guys that seem to be, you know, kicking the most ass or living the best lives?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. Let me think about that for a second. I, I mean, beyond things like being productive and saying no to things that aren't uh, serving their purpose... I, in general, see a positive attitude of, of sort of everyone believes that they can succeed and they think it's going to be amazing and then they go and do it. And it, I think that has to do with, um, you know, you, you won't take action if you, if you don't really believe that you can do it. And, and most of these guys know they're going to make mistakes. They know they're going to fail and they're resilient in the face of failures and 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 they're still
1: planning for success so Mm. yeah that mental resilience seems to come up time and time and time again hey Yeah. yeah cool man so talk to me about adventure so obviously you've named your podcast the art of adventure you've set your life up so that it includes a lot of adventure it obviously means a lot to you so why like what what's the why behind the art of adventure
0: yeah and I've been thinking about adventure a lot recently um, you know the podcast itself uh the name sort of found me I stole the the first two words the art of from two of my other favorite podcasts the art of charm and the art of manliness and i said oh that's that's cool i, that's, I mean it's the art of something and then I was thinking oh well what's alliteration a you know another a word that sort of resonates with with me and uh adventure just sort of popped out so i so I ran with it and i and so it's funny how you become uh the things that you do a little bit, and so people start saying like, "Oh, this is Derek, he's the adventure guy, okay, now I have to be adventurous and so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's shifted a little bit uh the way that I operate you know people people will tell me oh you you have to be the first one to sing karaoke or you have to jump <laughs> on this." this huge cliff because you're the adventure guy and you just have to do adventurous things. And so it's like people are calling me out.
1: So basically before this podcast launched, you were kind of like the, the, the kind of guy who would just sit at the back and not do anything. And you just mostly stayed indoors and you're kind of afraid of everything and didn't really take on any challenges. Um,
0: (laughs) I did (laughs) when you, when you put it that way, I hope that I wasn't that bad. Um, but' it's it's, it's a funny just to notice that the framework of, of how you live your life is different, because now I'm definitely forcing myself to be uncomfortable multiple times a day. Yeah. And um, at the end of my podcast, I ask people a question, "What is your definition of adventure? And many people answer that uh, something to do with getting uncomfortable, and that's a, that's a common theme. Uh, among adventurers or when people talk about adventure is, uh, there's some element of, of risk, whether it's real or perceived that makes you feel uncomfortable because you, you're not a pro at it. You don't have quite the same confidence around things that you are well-practiced at. Um, and so let me just, so let me just take you through, uh, my, my recent thoughts about adventure um,
1: yeah, man, that'd be, that will be awesome.
0: Yeah. So there's, so there's a few, few parts, a few results of, of adventure. Um, there's, there's the element of self discovery and self reliance that you get from, from being out in a risky situation where you have to make your own decisions and, and maybe you're, you have a team of people there with you, but essentially you're on your own, um, in charge of your life, which is, which is a privilege that we don't always have. Um, there's, there's the component of exploration, which is hardwired into our, our human genetics. You know, when resources would get scarce in, in a valley, the tribe would split and some would explore the next valley over to see if there is more food over there, and hence humans populated the whole earth. And um you know it drives process and uh, innovation, creativity, so that we can come up with solutions to new environments and so that's that's a big part of it um, i think is is a contribution to to humanity, uh, which is an important part uh, and the third and the third sort of pillar that I think a lot about is um, if you look at the dictionary definition of adventure, it says one of them is a memorable or remarkable experience or exciting or remarkable experience. And so what is it, um, you know, these experiences are are different and unique and strong enough that they stick in our memory. And really as humans, we, we have, we're more human if we have more memories. Like we have this experience that we're drawing from the more boring your life is, the less memories you have. And, um, you know the less full it feels and and with these memories comes stories and you start to start to be able to tell stories to people so they can learn from you you can inspire people with the stories you tell of of how you made decisions in a tough situation or how you made it through something you didn't think you were going to make it through and uh, you're leading by example and so Adventurers become leaders de facto because because they're retelling uh, the the tales of the the hardships mm. they faced.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. It's it's almost like there's something in a, innate and original, inherent in nature. Uh, sorry, inherent in adventure. It seems like f- for an adventure to be a real adventure, it has to be something new, um, and therefore the story becomes new. But it almost seems like. In, implicit in adventure is like breaking new ground within yourself so like always you know that's what they mean by going to the edge of your comfort zone or becoming uncomfortable or, or challenging yourself it's sort of like it really is just walking into the unknown that's kinda of what it means to me I guess yeah
0: and um, and with that comes confidence and you know confidence in one one area doesn't always translate to another. If you're really good at chess, um, you might not be really good at giving a speech in front of 5,000 people. And and through you know, regular micro-adventures or, or large adventures, you learn how to handle the pressure of trying things for the first time or, or doing things that you don't have the, the, the confidence of, of practice at. But it, And I think so adventure is maybe the one thing that allows you to have sort of a broad, generalized confidence that you're going to be okay no matter what it is. You're going to come out of it alive and it yeah, won't be man. too bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an awesome way to look at it. I'm um, just going back to when you were first talking about how naming this podcast The Art of Adventure has kind of set your life on a certain path. Like, I think that's incredible. I think there's a really important insight or discovery there that it's because it's the opposite of of passivity just just allowing life to dictate terms to you you're basically saying like what do i want more of in my life okay i'm gonna now i'm gonna build the structure i'm gonna build the podcast i'm gonna create a business and a lifestyle around what i wish to have more of in my life and then the natural side effect of it is that you end up going on all these adventures and jumping off cliffs and into swimming pools and stuff like that which which is so empowering. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it really is. Um, to to feel like you can say yes to things um, that you're that you're scared of or or nervous about. Um, it, it's if you if you think about um, what what people regret um, a lot of times it's it's not doing something that that would have been fun or exciting or not approaching the beautiful woman or, or not acting on, on something that you really wanted. And so it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to have structured things where I can, where I can say yes to, to meeting people or, or going somewhere and doing something.
1: Mm, that's awesome, man. So where does intuition fall into this conversation with you? Like, where does that, that sort of innate... Because we're talking about evolution of our species and we're talking about how in the past people would, I guess, rely on their instincts to to know when to move on or when to go here or, you know, make basic decisions. In your life right now, what, what role does intuition play?
0: Okay, that's a good question. Um, and And when you say intuition, I think relying on feelings. And so there's, I don't know, I guess in my mind, the, the rational thinking mind where you arrive at a decision by just, you, you know, the pros and cons, writing it down on a piece of paper and then going with the one that has more pros. Yep. And then there's this sort of, uh, arriving at a decision based on your gut instinct, which is, which is really based on a bunch of rational inputs into your subconscious probably mm-hmm. and and so starting to trust your gut a little more to to believe that i make good decisions when i go with what feels right um, i think that's that's important because there's we have so many senses and so many things going on that we don't really understand you know the brains in our guts and mm-hmm. and our ability to detect danger if we're out in the wilderness we don't even you know we get a bad feeling we have no idea why but we turn around and walk the other way and just accepting that our feelings can help guide us as well as our rational brain and that we we do make good decisions and you know if i decide something i, I want to stop second guessing myself i want to say that was a good decision and we're moving forward
1: yeah 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 i think that's an it's really interesting to bring up the whole concept of of you know the brain and your gut and this sort of broader, broader definition of intelligence that is beyond the analysis of the pros and the cons. I think that's that's really important because we are just take, constantly taking in this stream of information every every microsecond of the day. We're just like a sponge for for sensory input, and yeah, I think that in adventure situations, like adventure, really for me is like when you come out of that. Well, it's almost like when you when you put into a situation that is so challenging or stretches you so much that the using that system of logic and reason and pros and cons simply isn't rapid enough and it probably isn't accurate enough and so Mm. you and so you are forced to go into that other decision making system which is subconscious and rapid and yeah so so to me adventure is almost built in with this idea of flow states and I guess intuition and operating from a from a from a place that is not really about thought what, what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean when you when
0: you mention flow i think um, it seems to me that uh, especially I find this myself when I'm doing more physical challenges that I am making decisions without even realizing that i'm making them um, whether it's whether it's surfing or climbing a volcano or getting lost in a snowstorm, which I have a great story about, I can. Uh, I'd love to hear can, it. <laughs> I can tell you about. Um, you know, you're you're um, just sort of realizing what needs to get done, to to get it done. So, so this the snowstorm story. Have you are you familiar with the difference of type one and type two fun? No. Okay. Uh, so so basically. Type 1 fun is, it's fun uh, while it happens. Yeah. And type 2 fun is, um, it's really hard while you're doing it, but in retrospect, um, it's kind of fun. Okay. And so, this uh, one time I um, I was with some friends and we were going to ski up to this fire tower on top of a mountain in Montana. And... So two of my friends went the steep way. It was a four-mile direct ascent up the face uh, because they had skins. And then uh, I had touring skis and went around the long way up the fire roads, which was a 12-mile ascent. And I was with my uh, wife at the time, and we uh, we totally – Underestimated our uh, over, overestimated our ability, underestimated the time it would take us, and well the first thing that would hap- that happened was um, we rented these these boots, and she had two left boots, and there wasn't enough time to go back the two hours back to the place we rented them from to get a new ones, so we, she just said, oh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ski with two left boots." So right away we're like we're on the back foot. Uh, yeah. it, starts, it starts snowing the snow is sticking to our skis and our, our average speed drops to one mile an hour. So then we're looking at, you know, okay, it's 12 miles in, we've done four, so we have eight hours left to climb this mountain and get to where we're staying for the night. We can't turn back because we don't have the keys to the car. So we knew we had to just go all in and make it. And at some point, the sunset, it's still a snowstorm, the only map we have is a GPS on the phone. The phone's slowly dying, and if we go off the trail, we fall neck deep into snow. So we have to stay on the trail. We're, like, navigating these mountain ridges, and all of a sudden, you know, our communication gets much better. We're just, uh, we're, we're very communicative. We're relaying the information we need back to each other. We're supporting each other, like, giving high fives every. Mm. Uh, you know, 30, 15 minutes or whatever. We're making sure to eat. We're drinking our food to make sure that we like keep our blood sugar up so we can make good decisions. And, you know, we're shifted into this semi-survival mode. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure we're thinking, okay, like, well, if we can't make it to the thing, like we're going to have to build a snow shelter or or what are we going to do? And then eventually we crest this ridge and we see, you know, maybe – Eight hundred meters ahead of us, this little light, twinkling in the <laughs> in the snow, and we're like, we look at each other, and we're, oh my gosh, we're gonna make it! <laughs> oh
1: man, I know that feeling. Yeah. High fives all around.
0: Oh yeah, and you get there, and you're like, I'm still alive. It's great. <laughs> and and looking back, it, it's it was so cool because we did exactly what we needed to do to to survive. And I don't know if how risky it was, but it seemed like we We were fighting for our lives, we probably had the clothing we needed to spend the night out, whatever, but it um was was definitely a, a big challenge well it's um, an
1: incredible yeah I, I find it fascinating when you slip into that what you call like a, a semi survival mode like what's that, what's the the biology of what's actually happening there i mean it's it's really fascinating to learn about that stuff. it seems to me like you basically both understood the, that there was a perceived risk. You know, it doesn't matter how, what the actual risk was in hindsight, but you definitely understood that there was a perceived risk. And it's almost like your, something takes over, like your subconscious takes over or something. And you do start, it's, it, I've been in a very similar snow situation myself. Uh, we'll talk about this another time. <laughs> I've got my own stuck in the snow story. And, same thing, man, like you, like my brain, it was a real battle because to start with I had complete, complete panic and it was such a disempowering sensation, um, it was like panic to the point where I just wanted to curl up in a ball and cry and, and, and ask for mummy and, and then the flip side to that was what you're talking about, this sort of, alright, you pull shit together and you go into this survival state. And you think about the, the worst case scenarios and you almost become comfortable with that. And then you start getting really rational about your, the clothing that you're wearing, the food supplies that you have, um, features, maps, navigation, technique. And you, and you almost start, it's almost like you, you, you start relying on your intuition, but you're, you know, you're, you're being very thorough and mechanical and analytical at the same time. It's, it's a very interesting state to be in.
0: And there's nowhere to to hide. You can't lie to yourself anymore. You can't uh, be any better than than you actually are. You know, you're basically you have these are the skills that I have. These are the things that I know, and that's that's what I'm working with. It it reminds me of the Apollo thirteen when the oxygen blew and they had to just use the crap that was floating around the spaceship to start filtering their oxygen you know that's that's what they had and and that's what they're working with
1: yeah and it it really reminds you because so much of our lives in in just sort of like normal life situations we'll there's a tendency to to dwell on the oh why didn't I do this why didn't I do that or I should have done this and you start dwelling on the regrets and it 's just and you realize in an emergency situation that it's just a waste of time it's a waste of mental resources, and it just doesn't even come into the picture, does it? you're just like it's just you just will not allocate that that mental space to, to thinking about that sort of stuff yeah yeah, cool man so talk to me a bit more about um, the the storytelling aspects, so basically you must have. Come across, you know, you've basically been interviewing a lot of people, and you've been, I guess, learning about their their sense of adventure and a lot about how they learn. Um, what are who are some of the most interesting people that that you've come across on your podcast?
0: Well, the guy that comes to mind right now is is a professional adventurer. Um, his name's Dave Cornthwaite, and his. One of his big life goals is to complete 25 trips of a thousand miles or more, all human-powered, all using different modes of transportation. So he, for example, skateboarded across Australia. He swam the length of the Mississippi River. He's, I think, run across Great Britain. Uh, you know, he's doing all these basically just uh, adventures. For the sake of adventure, and that's—it's a really interesting thing that, that a lot of adventurers, um, you know, w- we we come up with reasons why we're doing it. We say, "Oh, oh, like Christopher Columbus wanted to go exploring. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find you guys a passage to to India." But really, he probably just wanted to see what was out there, mm-hmm. and so so we're coming up with these excuses essentially, for, for adventure. Um, but, but a lot of times, like for me, wanting to discover a species, it's, it's just the curiosity of something that, that hasn't been done. It's just do it because it's there and it's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Sometimes I think I see these guys that are doing you know ultra-endurance feats like, there's a dude who I think did, like, a, an ultra triathlon every single day for, for like, 50 days or something. I think they call him the Iron Horse. Wow. I, was, I was reading about him on the, on the Rich Roll uh, blog. And sometimes I just, yeah, there's a huge part of me that just respects these individuals because of what they do and the pain that they put themselves through and their single-mindedness. And, you know, I mostly just have this feeling of respect. But I also sometimes wonder what they're avoiding or what, what the, you know, the why, the psychology behind doing some of these things. What what do you, do you ever think about that? Yeah.
0: And, and, um, as, especially as a digital nomad, uh, someone who's, who's moving around all the time, uh, seeking adventure, um, you know, a lot of times you're left without a solid community that, that someone say who, has lived in the same place for 10 years and they have this group of friends and they, you know, do their thing on Thursdays with the guys and then they have date night on Friday and they have this cycle and routine and um, that's, that's something that a lot of adventurers are missing and so you, you have to be careful. You can't always be on an adventure. An adventure has to end at, at some point point. Um, and, and it's, so it's within that finite context of, of adventure that, that you get uh, the benefits from adventure and then you have to unpack it you have to do the storytelling you have to reflect on the adventure a lot of times you don't learn the lessons for for a while it could even be years later uh, and 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 you start to to learn things upon reflection of that experience from the past um, you see a lot a lot in in adventure writing um when when people are sort of joking about the, the mistakes that they made while they're out there uh, on their adventure. And then they come back to write about it and they're in a safe place and they can sort of uh, have a bit of a laugh about how stupid they were and how close to death they were.
1: <laughs> yeah, fully, man. I know exactly what you mean. I was just reading an interview with John Krakow who wrote Into Thin Air um, yeah. about that uh, Yeah, that disastrous season in Everest where where a lot of climbers died. And yeah, I I definitely know what you're talking about there. Talk you mentioned before about micro adventures. Just t- tell me more about your concept here.
0: Yeah, and uh, that term it's not my term. I'm not sure who coined it. I think um, I think a lot of British adventurers use that term, but it could be your your weekend getaways if you're the kind of person that lives in a city and you go camping on the weekends, or it could be a daily practice of challenging yourself some way or at the minimum, trying something new every day. Um, Just Mm -hmm. if there's something that is uncomfortable for you, for me, it was karaoke recently. I had never done karaoke until a few weeks ago. And I said, "Uh, you know, I love singing in the shower. I'm really nervous about singing in front of other people. I grabbed one of my good friends and – you know she's an amazing singer and we just we went and did karaoke at luckily the bar only had like 10 people in it um what song i sang walkin in memphis which oh, is nice. uh the greatest song ever <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is a classic bro it was definitely on my playlist see i i lived in japan for 2 years so i became something of a First of all, I was like a reluctant karaoke person. And then you spend enough time in Japan and it's so woven into social life over there that, you know, everybody goes. And then soon enough, I was like, yeah, okay, I I can do karaoke. I kind of enjoy this. Two years later, like, I'm a complete addict. Like, connoisseur i know yeah i know like the 50 50 songs that i can just reel off at any one time all of my, oh my buddies gosh. yeah all of my buddies have got their favorite songs we all know exactly what duets we can do with each of our different friends <laughs> it's like, we even know like uh, off by heart the code number so how you can put them how you can input them into the machine oh, but, that's, um, that's
0: great you got any good suggestions you got any any songs that are oh for it's?
1: sure i mean it a lot, a lot comes down to personal taste right um uh, i i my personal belief is that there's a there's a decade that stands out beyond all other decades when it comes to potential in karaoke and that is the 80s i just i just feel like the way that they made music back then you know like the power and the emotion in those ballads um like white snake and um, <laughs> richard marx and yeah. you know people like that like night in shining armor like all the soundtracks to all those movies like back to the future karate kid um, all those kind of 80s movies they've all got amazingly awesome typical 80s soundtracks and i think that genre makes for great karaoke all right
0: yeah and probably a lot of people uh are doing karaoke there in their 20s and 30s so yeah they're gonna they're gonna know those songs anyway
1: yeah when when i lived in japan we would i, I was working as a teacher over there in We'd, I'd, I'd have these colleagues who were like Japanese, kind of like, they, they worked for like the board of education and they were kind of dudes in suits, very, very straight laced. And every six months or every three months, we'd have an office party and these guys would just go loose and they're just, it was like their one night that they could just let everything out. And mm. all of a sudden the tie would be tied around their head, they'd be standing <laughs> on the table and they'd just be belting out Beatles song after Beatles song. So th- for those guys, it was all about Beatles and Rolling Stones um, and Elvis. Those were like... Mm. And, and they, they didn't know any of the, 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 the lyrics, like in terms of the meaning of the words or anything, but they could enunciate their version of, of the lyrics. And they would do it with so much gusto. It was always hilarious. And then and the next day, you'd turn up to work in, in, like, the office in Japan, and because this is their particular culture, nobody would say a word about the previous night. It was almost like it was, it was like a dream, like it hadn't existed. Oh, wild. <laughs> yeah. It was so and strange. you know, you said something in there
0: that caught my attention was that these people were allowed to, to let loose and be themselves, mm. which is, uh, which I see over and over again in, in, these, in these little micro adventures that the the filters the things that you're covering up about yourself come down and you can you can bond with people so much more quickly when you have these shared challenges this shared adversity because uh then you start to see vulnerability and you start to you start to see who people really are and it's powerful
1: oh man that's such an epic point it's such an epic point like my personal view on all of this this is why you know this is what the flow state really stands for. Like My definition of flow is basically the same as intuition. So it's when we're operating from a place where we don't have all these hang-ups. It's, it's, it's the opposite of acting from your ego. Um, so all those things about being self-conscious or worrying about what other people feel or think about you, the flow state is when you're, when all of that just disappears and you couldn't give a crap about any of that and adventure this is why when you know you have so many experiences, everybody can tell a story about when they 've gone on an adventure and it 's been a real bonding experience you know they 've've yeah. really, really got to know somebody or they 've shared this trial or tribulation and and they 've come out of it and man, this is like so much a part of my part of my life, like the buddies that I have and go on adventures with we just we 've just got this shared history together and you know and this and like you said before it 's like when we have let loose when we haven 't Cared about what people think about us, and where we just uh I guess it's just about being real. Yeah, good. <laughs> good thing you
0: said it better than I could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, are you having many adventures over in Bali? It sounds like you are.
0: Yeah, you know, we're right now. We're planning um, to see if we can set a new world record for the Three Peaks Challenge, which is basically ascending the the three uh volcanoes three main volcanoes here on bali uh in a row back to back to back and uh see if we can't knock off a couple hours what's the world record uh it's right now it's 17 hours um so that's a serious challenge okay so
1: so you're you're aiming for like 15 hours or something
0: aiming for 15 um and i haven't climbed all of them i've only climbed two of them and the hardest one i have yet to climb so it'll be it'll be interesting um you know and and so then you're like part of it's the preparation how do i get fit for this we're going to do it in a month like, like i only have a month to get fit and then all the other things like when are we going to eat the food and and how are we going to manage our pacing and all that and all that stuff you have no idea how it's going to go
1: yeah but that's the great part right you don't know now but you're going to know soon enough <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to throw yourself into it and then you're going to just deal with all of the unknowns and the pain and all that sort of stuff and that's that's what's so awesome about adventure, hey?
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and it's it's cool just to, you know, just to do a little planning and dreaming, you know?
1: Hmm. It seems like part of this, you know, part of the way I see adventure, it's always, I do respect the people that do these crazy solo adventures. Like there's this famous dude called Jeff Clark who surfed this famous wave in California called Mavericks. And this is a big, 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 scary wave. And there's, big sharks in that area. And the, the reason why this guy is a legend is because he kept it a secret and he surfed it alone for something crazy like 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I've got mad respect for that because it's simply terrifying. But on the other hand, you know, all my greatest adventures I guess have, except for one, um, which is my snow story, but all my greatest adventures have been with buddies. Um, so, what what are your what are your thoughts around support network and tribe and community and buddies?
0: Well, I think that personally, I derive a lot of strength from from having companions around, even if even if maybe I'm the leader in a situation. Um, when I was when I was growing up, I was in the Boy Scouts, and we did a lot of backcountry traveling in in Canada with canoes or in uh, New Mexico, you know, just hiking in the wilderness. Um, and uh, yeah, there's always things that people are going to know, have skills that complement your own. And so I feel that, yeah, some, some group, six or eight people is like such a, such an awesome group size to have for extended adventures. Um, at the same time, uh, when you're out there by yourself, the the pressure is just, it's on even more, right? Because you just have to rely on your own ability to get yourself through the situation. And, and it, you know, you sort of think, like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to come out of this all right. Mm. But I'm not exactly sure how. And I just have to keep taking a step forward i just you know you're in the middle of a karaoke song you 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 just need to finish you know you just need to keep saying the words uh (laughs) if you're uncomfortable or or whatever it is you're giving a speech in front of people and you start to think oh my god are they liking this you know just you just have to finish the speech you can't run away yeah
1: (laughs) yeah from these things (laughs) yeah yeah i guess that solo adventure is like the pinnacle you know of adventures it, because it really does thrust you out there alone. And I love, by the way, I love the way that we're talking about climbing mountains and doing karaoke in like the same sentence. And <laughs> under, well, yeah, because, you know, a
0: lot of people, when I asked them, you know, what is your definition of adventure? They say, I want to make the distinction that an adventure doesn't have to be jumping out of a plane. And I, and I think I agree because a lot of times dealing with your own emotions can be an adventure because it mm. can be scary to look inside or, or when you're you know thinking about your own thoughts. Uh, a lot of people maybe when they start to have bad thoughts or strong emotions they think oh i'm just gotta, I'm just gonna go have a drink and and so there's these external physical challenges and then there's internal challenges as well and so I think I think adventure is can can span. Um, and there's social social ones as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then like uh, when you think about flow states and the, the book Rise of Superman that Stephen Kotler wrote, he talks about how how risk is one of the most powerful triggers for flow. And for one person, that might mean jumping out of that plane or doing like a triple backflip over the Grand Canyon on a motorbike. But for another dude that might mean simply walking across the room to go and talk to the girl at the bar. You know, the same kind of neurochemicals are happening, um, which, is, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, talking to people.
0: <laughs> it's, it, um, I guess it does get easier over time, but uh, I, did, I did one little experiment where I was riding the train in New Zealand, and I interview people all the time, and I wanted to challenge myself by interviewing 20 or so people on the train about about their travels and about adventure. And every single time, it was just hard to approach a stranger and strike up a conversation and then ask if I could interview them. Yeah, It was way harder than I thought.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. I think that, like I've got a buddy, he's a, he's a good friend, Steve, and he epitomizes the adventure archetype. Like he's always out there. If he's not paddleboarding, like two miles out to sea, he's on his mountain bike um, or he's building a house or he's like doing something crazy in a forest. Like he, he just is adventure. But for, for Steve, one of the most uncomfortable situations in his day-to-day life is going to a party or going to some sort of place where he's going to have to introduce himself in front of people. Like that really like thrusts him so fast out of his comfort zone. And it's really it's, it's really important because I, I'm the same, right? Like the, the whole social side of stuff um, is probably like giving a speech in front of a lot of people. That for me is the edge of my comfort zone. Um, so, it's, yeah, I think, it, I think there's a lesson there that people have to figure out what their individual definition of comfort zone and adventure is and then walk in that direction instead of looking at the guys who are, ne- who are just climbing mountains and jumping out of planes and thinking, oh, that's the adventurous life. Like, make it more individual. Do you do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know. I would just encourage people to have a think about whatever makes them uncomfortable, and uh, lean lean into it. Lean into the discomfort and uh, just try to try to use a little bit of willpower or courage or bravery. Uh, something that that the Native Americans used to to always be be talking about was was bravery hence the name you know indian braves Mm. and just use a little bit of that and then you'll have an adventure and you won't be the same you know you'll be permanently changed for the better no matter which type of adventure you you choose
1: yeah man permanently changed that's that's a yeah that's an important point so i I like to talk to people about their their habits and their rituals in life Uh, for me Rituals are one of the most important ways to achieve growth um, what are your some What are some of your rituals in your life? Yeah, I learned at a young age that I
0: learned by moving around a lot. Um, I was that kid that um, the teacher finally just let me roam around the classroom instead of fidgeting and banging around in my seat at my desk um so every day I I try to move I am doing a new exercise every day whether it's yoga crossfit running swimming um you know I try to do something a little bit different every day so that I'm always challenging my body and I uh I try to read every morning um if, if I'm on a roll, I, I'm reading a book a day. Um,
1: a book a day? Are you speed reading?
0: Some of them I'm speed reading. Some of them I'm, I'm devoting uh, a bit more time if I, if I have time in the morning and the evening. Um, so I'm reading a lot. I'm moving every day. And um, one of my goals for this year was to meditate at least half of the days of the year and at least two months for the entire month. Um, so for January and July... I meditated every day, which was, uh, which was a nice,
1: mm.
0: nice part of my day.
1: And what did you, what did you feel were the, were the benefits from that practice?
0: Well, it's weird because, um, and I'm still a new, new meditator. I've only been doing it for a year and a half. But I, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just things that bother other people, things that stress other people out don't stress me out you know, it's the, the unknown things that make people anxious just don't make me anxious anymore, yeah. which is great.
1: Yeah, like awesome. Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> what, a, what a great way, what a great reason to, to meditate. You don't have to go any deeper than that. It's just like, yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. So how can people uh, find out about more about what you're doing? How can, just, just give me the, the quick down low on how people can connect with you.
0: Yeah, if you are curious, uh, check out the Art of Adventure podcast. You can get it for free wherever you get your free podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, My website is DerekLoudermilk.com. And that's my Twitter and Instagram handle as well, at Derek Loudermilk. I've got a lot of cool photos on Instagram from the various adventures and observations that I that I come across. So, uh, and also feel free to send me an email if you have any questions, Derek at derekloudermilk Awesome,
1: man. Well, you've inspired me to definitely come and visit you and check out this this uh, digital nomad scene over in Ubud in Bali. Like I've spent a lot of time over there, and I'm sure that you're having the best time having adventures in that part of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to come visit. And when are you doing this, uh, you doing this mountain climb?
0: That's going to be at the end of October. So of October. We'd, love to ha- we'd love to have you uh, oh, come along.
1: I'm going to try and swing it. We'll see what I can oh, do. Cool, yeah. oh, brother. Well, thank you so much uh, for, your, for your wisdom and for your time. And uh, it's been really inspiring to hear about your story. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show at some point down the line.
0: Thanks, Jiro. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.